You're listening to the Peter Corney Training Centre podcast. We train and equip God's people by providing courses and resources for evangelism, discipleship, and ministry. Welcome to our Peter Corney Training Centre podcast series on prayer. I'm Tracy Lowerson, and today I'm joined by Reverend Natalie Rosner. Natalie trained and worked as a solicitor in Sydney before entering ministry for the Anglican Church. Uh, She studied theology at Moore College and she's worked in ministry in both Sydney and Melbourne. Today she's joining us to talk about prayer, specifically to answer that tricky question, why is it that sometimes we feel like our prayers don't go past the ceiling? Natalie, tell us a little bit about yourself. In particular, like, have you ever felt like your prayers weren't going higher than the ceiling? Thanks, Tracy. I've certainly had experiences where I've been praying for the same thing for a really, really long time and have felt that nothing's really happened. So particularly for some people that I've been praying that they might become Christians, I've been praying for 30 years or so and haven't really seen what God's doing. And also praying for people who aren't well and again, haven't really seen what God's doing. So I've certainly had that sense of are you there, God, and what's happening? Mm. And when that happens, yeah, it can be quite discouraging. So great that we're here uh, today to talk about um, what to do and what the Bible says. I guess, um, does the Bible just give us examples of fantastic prayers and prayers? Or can someone who's struggling in prayer actually find um, examples of struggle in the Bible as well? Sure, I think it's actually a bit of both, Tracy. So in the Bible, there are some really inspiring prayers that we can learn from and people who prayed in inspiring ways. But also in the Bible, there are some examples of, particularly in the Psalms, the psalmist really agonising in prayer. Tim Keller says the Psalms include stark expressions of the experience of God's absence. And certainly... For example, in Psalm 13, the psalmist says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So that's a real cry out to God and a real sense from the psalmist of, Where are you, God? Mm. Which can be encouraging when we feel like that, to know that this has been an experience through the centuries. Yes, yes. It makes me think of... um the U2 song 40 based on Psalm 40 where they repeat, uh, you know, how long Mm, to sing this song? How Mm. long do we have to wait? Um, Well, what are some of the other reasons that we struggle in prayer? Like, Like where does, for example, where does our sin come into effect? How does that impact our prayers? Well, I think in a couple of ways, and I might just mention When we pray, there are some challenges that we face that we don't face in talking to another person, for example. So we can't see God. And that's just a challenge for us because we're so visual. We're used to having conversations with people that we can see and hear. And most of us also don't have an experience of God's audible voice talking back to us. So there are some unique challenges in prayer that I think make it difficult for us. And then there is our innate sinfulness and our struggles with discipline and perseverance but I think our sin can come into play in another way as well so none of us are perfect and God certainly knows that and doesn't expect us to be perfect but if there's an area of sin in our lives 
that we are holding on to, that we're cherishing a pattern of behaviour that is sinful, that we know is sinful, that we're not willing to let go, I think that can get in the way of our prayers. So in Psalm 66 verse 18, the psalmist says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Mm. So I think if we have an established pattern of sin that we're pursuing, it's actually a way of us turning away from God in, in a sense, and that really does impact our prayers. And James encourages us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So confession of sin and prayer go together in some senses. Now, God isn't saying you have to have everything in order before you can pray. That's a relief. Uh, it is a relief. <laughs> None of us would ever be able to pray. But what God is saying is that we're to be people who walk in the light, people who belong to him, people who are confessing our sin, acknowledging our need for Jesus and praying. So as long as we're not cherishing some kind of pattern of sinful behaviour in our lives, then uh, that won't be a barrier to our prayers. Mm. So sin can be a barrier, but God gives us a way to deal with that. Absolutely. So if we recognise sin and come to God through Jesus and confess our sin, say, God, I'm really sorry for this sin and turn away from it, uh, that opens up this amazing access we have to God, to talk to God, to ask him for the things that we're concerned about. Mm. I remember, Natalie, when you spoke about this at church, you mentioned some eschatological factors. Can you remind us what that's about? Sure. So I think we long for the world to be better. Most of us would love to live in a world where people weren't suffering, where people weren't sick and dying, where we didn't struggle in relationships. We long for life to be better. And that's really what God made us for. That's what life was like in the Garden of Eden. But we don't actually live in that time. But it's really interesting for us because we live after Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Jesus reigns in heaven. And in some ways, his new creation has begun now with his resurrection. So we have a taste of the future. We have the spirit with us. We have fellowship with each other in the body of Christ. And we do have answers to prayer we do sometimes see people healed we see God working in our lives but we don't have the fullness of all of that yet and sometimes I think we long for that so much we know Jesus is king we actually can sometimes pray in a way where we expect the answers to prayer that will be true once Jesus returns with the new creation so I guess uh, we live in two ages we live in the kingdom of this world, but also in Jesus' kingdom. And that makes things complicated for us. So I think it's really helpful to remember that we live with Jesus as our king, but we don't live in the perfect new creation that he will bring back with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about the fact that now we see as in a mirror darkly, but when Jesus returns, then we will see God face to face. And that is the time when there won't be any suffering when there won't be any tears, any dying, any of those things that we long for. And we can pray for all of those things now, but God doesn't promise that he will always answer those prayers because of the time that we live in. So we're still waiting for the new age when things will be perfect. And sometimes we pray for those things, but they won't all happen till Jesus returns. Mm. So some measure of patience is needed. I think so, yeah. yeah. 
Natalie, there are other reasons too why we struggle in prayer or really to understand how prayer works. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I think there are lots of things we could say really. One thing that I've been thinking about recently is that prayer is part of our relationship with God and that should be a two-way thing. So prayer is us talking to God. But again, Tim Keller says that all prayer is responding to God and God is always the initiator with us. God has spoken to us in the Bible. And I think one of the reasons we can struggle with prayer is that we don't cultivate our relationship with God. So reading the Bible, knowing God, learning the promises that he gives us in the Bible about how he will answer prayer, all of that can really help us as we pray. So I think sometimes because we don't cultivate our relationship with God, we really struggle. It's like we're just sending up requests to a God that we don't know. So I think cultivating our relationship with God, knowing Jesus can be a real help in prayer. Mm. I think related to that is often we have wrong expectations of what will happen when we pray. So I mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about waiting for Jesus to return and the time that we live in now. And it's helpful again to have our expectations of God in prayer shaped by the Bible. So I think most of us would have prayed at some point for someone who is suffering, for ourselves in suffering, for someone who's dying. And those are great prayers to pray. But it's interesting to see in the Bible what God says about suffering. So in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about suffering and he doesn't say that God promises to end our suffering when we pray. What he says is that God will shape our character when we go through suffering. So if we're praying through about a situation of suffering, it's actually helpful to pray for the suffering to end but also to pray that God will shape our character through that suffering because that's a prayer that we know that God will answer. So having our expectations shaped by the Bible can really help us in our prayers because then we know that we'll be praying prayers that God has promised to answer. I think another really hard thing for us is God's timing. So I mentioned praying for people for 30 years and thinking I still haven't seen anything that God's done. And it's really hard to get our mind around eternity. And, you know, God has been in control for eternity. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we read, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to God. So God is operating on a completely different schedule to us, which is really difficult for us to understand, but also an encouragement to be patient in prayer because what we think is, a ridiculous amount of time to be praying for someone for God is not at all. And the Bible also encourages us to persist in prayer. So in Luke 18, we have the parable of the widow who kept coming back to the judge saying, you know, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And because she persevered, the judge gave her what she asked for. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Uh, It's kind of like, we just need to keep bothering God about something. But God encourages us to keep coming back to him. So I guess those are all ways that when we know God, when we know what the Bible encourages us to do in prayer, we can actually pray more effectively 
because God will answer according to his promises. Natalie, it's so encouraging just to be reminded of those Bible verses, many of which will be familiar to our listeners, but we forget and um, we need to be reminded, uh, as Jesus said, to persist in prayer. Speaking of Jesus, um, surely he didn't struggle with prayer. What does scripture tell us about his experience of prayer? Well, it's really interesting, actually, Tracy. We do often see in the Gospels Jesus withdrawing to pray. So he certainly prioritised prayer and time spent with his heavenly father. But it's really interesting to notice a couple of prayers that Jesus prayed towards the end of his life. So in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested and he falls with his face to the ground and he prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now we know that this cup of suffering wasn't taken from Jesus, so uh, God didn't answer that prayer that Jesus prayed. And on the cross, Jesus prays again, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting one of the Psalms. So Jesus had this sense of abandonment, being forsaken of God not hearing his prayer. And I think it's an amazing thing that in his death on the cross, Jesus took our sin on himself. And that is why God didn't hear and answer that prayer of Jesus. Tim Keller puts it really beautifully, actually. We know that God will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the, rede the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. It's mm. a beautiful quote and it reminds us that God hears our prayers because Jesus, his son, was sinless and perfect and made a way for us to pray. So that's a beautiful encouragement for us to pray, that Jesus has opened a way that can't be closed. Yes, and it draws my mind to Hebrews where we read about how because of Jesus, we can enter into the very throne room of heaven with confidence because of what he's done for us. Natalie, a related question, a bit of a hairy question, um, which speaks to, you know, we can sometimes struggle in prayer because we're challenged to think, can I really change God's mind? Can, can we really change God's mind? Is it worth praying? It's a great question, Tracy, because if God is God, then you think he's in control of everything. And we can kind of feel like, what's the point of me praying if God's got everything sorted and under control? There's a few really interesting examples in the Bible where we see this kind of question being raised. So in Isaiah chapter 38, Hezekiah was ill, the king of... Israel and he was at the point of death and Isaiah came to him and said God says put your house in order because you're going to die you will not recover now Hezekiah then prayed remember O Lord how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes and he wept and then the Lord said to Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer, I've seen your tears, I will add 15 years to your life. 
So really fascinating example where it seems that Hezekiah's prayer did actually change God's mind. God added 15 years to his life. There's another example in Genesis 18 where the Lord has shared with Abraham that he will destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. And there's this fascinating interchange between Abraham and God where Abraham actually bargains with God. And Abraham says, Lord, if you find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, surely then you won't destroy it. And God says, no, if I find 50, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham keeps bargaining. Well, what about 45 or 40 or 30? And he gets down to 10 people. God, if you find 10 righteous people, surely you won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Now, in the end, there weren't 10 righteous people. And so Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by the Lord because of their sinfulness. But here's another example where it seemed that Abraham changed God's mind by bargaining with him. So it raises a really interesting tension for us, I think. God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. But he also does encourage us to pray. And he says prayer is effective. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. A righteous person is effective. So how do we hold those two things together? That God says to us, pray about your concerns, but we also know that God is totally in control. He's uh, 100% sovereign over our lives and the world. And I think this is part of that bigger issue of the tension between human responsibility and divine sovereignty, which the Bible, interestingly, holds in tension very happily without feeling the discomfort that we feel. So often uh, there's a couple of examples in Acts where the same verse talks about humans being responsible for something uh, but God being in control. And there's they're held together. Mm. So in, in our limited thinking, we really struggle with that. But in the Bible, uh, we are 100% responsible for our actions in our lives, but God is 100% in control of what is happening. And those two, two things sit together. And I think that's really what happens when we pray and when we think about this question of God, we, can we change God's mind? God is 100% in control, but he urges us to pray. And I think what happens is that God is in charge of everything that happens, but it's part of God's plan that he allows our prayers to achieve something. So in his sovereignty, God allows our prayers to be effective. Mm. It also does mean that we have a big responsibility because if God has ordained those means for us, what happens when when I don't pray for things that I should be praying for? What are the consequences? And do I bear some of the responsibility for those consequences? Sure, it's a huge encouragement to pray, really, that that God has given us this opportunity and responsibility, as you said, and we are responsible. We are responsible for how we manage that privilege that we have of praying hmm. uh, but in the end you know in, in all of this discussion about the tension and accountability and all that sort of thing we fall back on the wonderful character of God don't we yeah God is gracious uh, God is in control 
And we don't need to be anxious, I don't think, that we'll get it wrong or we'll forget something or we'll pray the wrong thing. God can manage all of our weaknesses and our limitations and our sin. And so this is just a great encouragement to pray that there are examples in the scriptures where God's mind was changed. Mm. And so we should we should go for it. And also his wonderful character, just thinking of that very passage that we looked at in, in church last week in 1 Kings 3, where Solomon prays mm. and he doesn't pray for everything, mm. but God's got it all covered. That's right. Yeah, it's it's... It's a, just such an encouragement that God is bigger than our prayers, but he chooses to use our prayers. Mm. Natalie, thank you so much for sharing with us. And um, you, you've mentioned Keller, you've quoted Keller, um, and I know that he's got a, a, a new book out on prayer. Um, have you read that and would you recommend it to people who want to follow up further on this? I have read it and I found it really, really helpful. Lots of practical insights on prayer and I'd highly recommend it. So it's just called Prayer by Timothy Keller. Well, thanks for being with us today and uh, to all of our listeners, uh, thanks for listening and we hope that um, today's podcast will help you to be faithful and confident and persevering in prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Peter Corney Training Centre podcast. To access more resources like this and to hear about upcoming events, please visit petercornytraining.com.au.